Today, church, I want to preach to you uh, about something separate. It's not, doesn't go with that sermon series we had last week or the one we're going to have next week. I guess you can call it a one-hit wonder, whatever you want to call it. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about when life feels empty for each and every one of us. You know, sometimes in life, life can leave us feeling like a mess, right? I'm, I'm talking about the kind of mess that's just even too complicated to figure out. The, the kind of mess that, that, that makes you feel like you just don't even want to go on or deal with anything. I want you to know this morning, church, that it is possible for each and every one of us to always have a fresh start. John chapter 11, I want to remind you what it says in verses 25 and 26. It says this, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he said, do you believe this? How many of you guys have a bucket list in your life? You know what I'm talking about? You, you formed a bucket list that these are the things I want to accomplish in, in my life. You know, I'm a list kind of guy. I thank my wife for that because I never, I used to be the guy that always flew by the seat of the pants, but she got me into that mode of making lists. And, and you know what? I don't know if I don't have a good enough imagination or not, but I decided to make my bucket list off of a country song. <laughs> Let me tell you what my list is, my bucket list. I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing, did both of those. I did 2.7 seconds on a boom named Fu Manchu. Didn't do that one yet. I got to get that soon because I'm getting old. I don't want to throw a hip or nothing doing that one. But listen, church, sometimes we have dreams, right? Sometimes we have desires. We do. We have desires, and, 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 and we make these lists out of the things we want for our life, things that we wish would be a certain way. And what happens is we get these lists together and you get to that moment. You're like, all right, I'm crossing this one off my bucket list and I'm going to do this. And when it's over, you're kind of like, oh, that's it? Like, like what, what do we do from here? You know, we get these lists, we get these ideas. And when they happen, whether it's good or not, what happens when it's over? So you kind of just like, now what? What's the next thing? Church, I want you to realize something today. We cannot just live our lives for those bucket list moments. You really can't. Because God has a purpose for you every single day of your life. And it's a purpose that he ordained for you. Because see, what happens is when we live our life by these bucket list moments and we get into the grind of life, here's what happens. You start feeling empty. You start feeling like your life is empty. And listen, there's a way for each and every one of us to fill our lives the way that God has called them to be filled. In our physical bodies... What do you do when you're thirsty, church, right? When you're thirsty, you go get a drink, right? You get some water. Some of you, what you do is you go get some pop or soda, depends on where you're from, and you, you, you drink that, but you know what? That doesn't do the trick. In case you don't know anything, that actually makes it worse. And then what can happen too is church, if you don't get that drink, we become dehydrated and dehydration, it's a really big problem. It is, it's a big problem because with dehydration comes trouble. And for those of you, maybe you've actually been dehydrated in your life, you know, the symptoms, they can be absolutely miserable for us, right? You get irritable, 
You get fatigued. Confusion starts to set in. And you become extremely weak. For me, that sounds like a trip to Walmart, to be honest with you. <laughs> really does. But you know what? There's a lot more, actually, church, that can go wrong when you're dehydrated, see? But we know how to fix it, right? We hydrate. That's what we're, we're called to do. We get ourselves some water. So what happens, church, when you and I, we begin to feel empty in our spirit? We begin to feel empty in our soul. What do we do when our spirit feel, feels all dried up? In the natural self, what we do is we look around and we think we know what to do. We think we know exactly what to do. And you know what? You're like, I'm going to fix this situation. I'm going to take care of this right now. You know what? I'm going to quench it with this. I just need some me time. Right? How many of you ever told your family, I just need some me time. All the rest of you guys, get out of the house. I need some me time. Or maybe you're like, I just need some downtime. If I could just have a week off from work, I, I can get through this. You know what? Or, or maybe you need more bedtime, right? Some of you are like that. Ladies, if you go get your nails done, that's going to fix it all, isn't it, right? Manicure to pedicure, you're feeling good for a minute. Or maybe you're like, I just need to read this book. Maybe, church, you're like a big achiever. You know what I'm talking about? You're a really big achiever, and you're the kind of person that thinks of that next accomplishment. Once I get that next accomplishment, man, my life is going to be good. I'm going to feel it right. If I hit that goal, then I'll be satisfied. Then I'll have what I need. It'll quench something that's just really messing me up. Or maybe some of you, church, you're looking for a relationship. You know, you're dry. Your spirit is dehydrated, right? And you're, you're like, if I was just in a relationship, that would fulfill something in me. But what actually happens when you go in that path, you start draining that relationship. That person that you're with, you will drain the life right out of them because you're so needy in that relationship. And sadly, for a lot of people in today's society, they turn to a substance, whether it be legal or illegal. I just want to feel full. I don't like this dry feeling or we overindulge in food. And the reason we do it, church, is because we're looking to fill. We're looking to fill this dryness of our soul, this emptiness that each and every one of us might be having. And the fact is, when we are living life with this constant dryness, when you're living life with this constant emptiness, it becomes typical we're trying to satisfy this hunger and this thirst with things that are temporary. Things that are temporary. See, because we know that if you are a believer in Christ, right, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us the things of this world aren't going to last. They're temporary. They're very, very temporary. And see, these are not the things that will satisfy us. These are not the things that are going to see us through. These are not the things that are going to quench our thirst. See, they are good until you take them as your life source. If you'll turn with me, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Verse 15 starts out like this. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world... The love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires 
pass away, but whoever does the will of God, church, lives forever. When I was a young man and I read that, that, that verse confused me. Here's why, right? Because are we not supposed to love the world? Because the Bible tells us, right? Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and I'm supposed to be Christ-like, so I'm supposed to be like him and emulate him. But see, here's the thing. The Bible, when it talks about the world, there's two different ways the Bible sees the world. First one is this. The Bible references the world as God's creation. As God's creation. You know, we are to enjoy God's creation. You know, he, he made the mountains. He made the streams. He made the forests. You know, the, the beauty of creation, right? He, he made everything in it. And the Bible says in Genesis, when he was done, he goes, ooh, that's good, right? It's good. He liked what he did. See, he created all of us. He created humanity. And he made all of it. And see, you and I are part of the reason that Jesus Christ came and died for us. Because he loved the world so much. And the second time that the Bible references the world, the viewpoint is from this. It's the view of life through our sinful nature, right? Verse 16, I want to take it back to you there again. It says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. I want to break that down for you for a minute. The lust of the flesh. I think the church has done a really big disservice to the people. Because every time they talk about the lust of the flesh, people just instantly go towards sex. It's deeper than that, church. It's deeper than that. It's more than that. See, remember when Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and the tempter came to him. And he said, ha, if you're the son of God, you're hungry right now. If you're the son of God, go ahead, turn them stones into bread. Right? It's more than just sex. It's the things that we crave, the things that we desire. It's the desires of the flesh. And see, the sin isn't when we are tempted. I want to remind you of sermon series we did on that. The sin's not when you're being tempted. The sin comes when you give in to that temptation. But there's then, then there's also the lust of the eyes. Remember the same, same story. Satan showed Jesus. Remember it said, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, you follow me, all that's yours. You know, I'm talking about the power, the desire for control, to have all that. That's the lust of the eyes. And then there's the pride of life. Man, a lot of people suffer with this church. It's, it's making, it's you feeling that you're more superior to other people, to that, that pride of life. So worldliness is how we view our lives through a sinful nature, right? A worldly mind is focused on self. That's what a worldly mind is focused on self. I'm talking about being self-righteous, self-indulgent, right? Self-focused. It's all about you. And it stinks because sometimes the church, we're the most guilty of that. You know, you come to church, I don't like all this music. I wish they'd play my songs, right? It's too hot. It's too cold. These chairs are too soft, too hard, whatever it is. It's all about you and what's going on. The church should be just about you. Instead, we are here to celebrate and we are to worship the one true king. 
not to be self-centered, not to be thinking it's all about you. See, it's a discontent. It's really being concerned about only yourself, about getting honor for yourself, about people honoring you instead of looking from, for honor from our God or that we're here to honor him. See, that is worldliness. That's exactly what worldliness, worldliness is. And we are told we're not to love that church. We're not to be the people that love that. So why do we not love the world? You know, sometimes as a man, I'm guilty of this. You are too. We're, we're guilty of this. You know, I, I like the world sometimes. Life can be good, can it not? Life can be good. But what does God mean when he says, don't you love the world? Don't you love it? See, this verse can really get to you, church. It really can get to you. See, the Greek word for love is a verb. It shows action, right? It comes from the word agape, which is the love that God gives us. The love that he gives you. So this word is used here as a verb, and it's the act of our will. What is it that you're loving, church? It's when you choose. It's when you prefer the things of the world. You highly value in that place of pleasure in a person or a thing. Do you realize it's a good thing that God would prefer you and he chooses you? You realize he chooses you every single day? I mean, he actively loves you. But what happens is we get into trouble, right? When we prefer the world. When we begin to prefer the world over our Heavenly Father and the things of the Lord. And see, preference is the key to this. It's a choice. It's not like, oh, somebody slipped that in on me. I didn't know it was coming. No. You make a choice. You make a preference on, on what it is that you're going to love, what it is you're going to follow. And preference is a key to this because you have to actively choose it, church. You have to actively choose. It's one thing over the other. You got to decide, am I going to be in love with the things of the Lord or am I going to be in love with the things of this earth? So why would we actively prefer the things of this world to be our source? Why do we choose that, church? See, we look at the things of the world to give us life maybe to give meaning, maybe sometimes you think that it gives you a status, or maybe it'll give you a hope. See, especially when the Bible tells us that it's actively passing away. How many of you guys like new stuff, right? I'm talking about you will save, you will scrimp, you will work so hard to get whatever it is that you knew. You know, for those of you who've ever been blessed to buy a brand new car, right? You, you, you work hard to get that brand new car and you get in that brand new car and you're sitting there, it smells good, doesn't it? All those chemicals that are not good for you, but you love to sit in there and sniff them, right? You're sitting there like, ooh, this, is, this smells nice. And you love that car, and, and you work so hard for that car. And then, you know what happens? You have that car for a while. Your baby, I mean, you're washing and waxing it all the time. You know, your kids ain't out eat French fries in there because you don't want to find them under the seat a week later. And then you go to Walmart, 
and you get your first ding in that car by somebody's buggy because they were too lazy to take it back. And then you're like, it's over, right? That car that you love so much and that you thought was just wonderful, you got your first ding in it. Now, you know what? Six weeks later, you got six weeks worth of McDonald's bags laying in the back seat. You don't care. You haven't washed that thing in a year. And then after you've got to pay for it five years later, you don't even care at all. Kids are eating in there. It's all stained. The seats are gross. You, there's so much dirt on your dash, you could go corn on that thing. <laughs> and you know what? It doesn't matter anymore because it's fading away. Church, you realize the things of this world, the Bible tells us the things of this world are fading quickly. You cannot put your hope in it. Ecclesiastes says this, that when you're going after the things of this world, you're grasping at the wind. You ever try to catch wind in your hands? You can't. You're trying to reach out and you're grabbing it and it just keeps going through your fingers. So it is choosing and preferring the things of this world, preferring self and all the things that we think we understand over our heavenly father, the God, the creator. So when we grasp at things that are not real, because church, it really, it's not life, it's an illusion. How many of you are grabbing at things that are an illusion? And the enemy loves to put it right in front of you. See, it's a trap. It's a trap straight from him. The enemy baits our flesh. He knows what your buttons are. And he loves to throw them in front of you. Thinking that the things of this world is going to bring you something. The things of this world is going to make it okay. And since it really can't bring something, here's what it brings to you, church. It brings you emptiness. It brings you emptiness. It brings absolute despair. It brings hopelessness. And we continue to grasp, but you still can't get it. It makes us so ineffective. It makes us unproductive. And we get nowhere. We get nowhere. It is amazing how we can get fooled, church, by the enemy. How we can get fooled by things that are counterfeit. Things that you think are good. Things that you think are going to work. And when we get an illusion that something is life-giving and it's not, it blows you away. Man, look at the Garden of Eden. You can take it all the way back to the beginning, right? Adam and Eve, man, they fell for an illusion. They fell for an illusion that, that there would be something for them in it. God created it all. He placed Adam and Eve in a garden, and man, it was beautiful. And he said, you can have it all. All this is yours except for this one tree. Don't you dare touch it. And you know what they did? Same as what you and I would do. How come every single time someone tells you you can't touch something, you got to touch it, Right? When someone says you can't have it, you're like, oh, yes, I can. You want it. As soon as someone says you can't have it, that means you want it. We, 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 I just got to touch it. How many of you, when you see a wet paint sign hanging on the wall, what do you do? You touch it. Is it really? Right? Those are, that is who we are. And, and, and so Adam and Eve, they fell for this illusion that the enemy put in front of them. That there would be something more from that forbidden fruit, when God actually had given them everything that they needed, everything. It happened then, and guess what, church, it still happens now. 
It still happens now. It happened also to God's chosen people. Man, check out Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. It says this, As a nation ever changed its gods, yet they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. You might say, preacher, what's a cistern? A cistern is a, a, something that holds water. It's something that holds water. It's not a source for water. It's something you can store water in. It, it can be above the ground. It can be below the ground. It's something to hold water. But it's not the source. It will run dry. It will not replenish. It will not fill up. And God is saying to his people here in Jeremiah chapter 2, he's saying this to them. He, he's saying, you know what? Look at these cisterns. It's just a storage place. This is your idolatry. He's telling me, you know, your heart has been captivated and you wandered away for something that's not even real, something that's broken and messed up. It's not life-giving, and yet you're chasing it. You have fallen for an illusion of false gods. And this morning, you're sitting here going like, preacher, what does this have to do with me? You know, I'm not worshiping any statues. I'm not worshiping any idols anywhere. Do I really need this message? Unfortunately, you know what, church? We do. We do need this. Because many of us, we fall quickly for illusions. We really do. We fall in that trap very fast. In the early church, man, the early church struggled with this immensely. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, what I love about Paul, Paul always comes right out the gate. He don't mix it up. He don't throw words around. Check out what he says in verse 1. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I want you to notice something right there. I guarantee if a preacher came in today and said, ha, all you guys here, you're miserable. You're worldly. You're a joke. You'd be like, who put him up there, right? You wouldn't like that. This is exactly what Paul does. He goes on to say in verse 2, he said, I gave you milk, not solid food, because you were not ready for it. Indeed, you know what? You're still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? He threw it at him, church. He was saying, you know what? It's all about you people here. He said, it's all about yourself. You know, it, it is a sin nature. It's been going on since creation. And he says, you're still acting the same. You're claiming to be saved. You're claiming to be brand new. You're claiming that things are different in your life. But yet, you still act the same. Instead of living and walking in love and showing forgiveness to each other, you're living worldly lives. You're living just like everybody else. Church, I believe that that was true then, and I also believe it's still true today, that we struggle. We as Christians today, at times, we live in that illusion, don't we? We live in that illusion that, that there's something better. We, we have to go at that counterfeit source just to feel good. We, we just want to feel good instead of the source for living water that Paul was talking about. 
So we go to these substitute containers to fill us up. These fake cisterns, these broken wells, right? Man, maybe it's a cistern of relationships for you. Listen, relationships are good. I'm not telling you not to have relationships. But you know what we try to do? We try to make these relationships be everything. It's the end all be all. You know, for you single ladies, for for you single men, I just got to be in a relationship. I just got to have someone because it shows I have self-worth. Man, that's an illusion that the enemy is trying to give to you. And sometimes we look at our families, don't we? We look at our families. We we look at our kids. Man, we look at our spouses. We look at our friendships. and, And we're trying to get filled up with these people. But yet we're still coming up empty. Some of you, you try to fill your cup or or your cistern with with the pleasures of life. I'm talking about hobbies. I'm talking about amusement. I'm talking about experiences like vacations, maybe substances. Maybe it's food that we eat or any entertainment that you can grab hold of. Listen, God wants us to enjoy our lives. I'm not being that preacher until you can't do nothing fun. But you cannot fill your soul with this stuff. You cannot try to quench that thirst with this stuff because your your dryness and your emptiness will continue in your life. You're going from pleasure to pleasure trying to make it work. Maybe, church, we're trying to fill our cup or our cistern with knowledge. Like, you know what? I just got to be smarter. I got to know more. I got to understand more. Do you realize how much useless knowledge we fill our heads with? Man, I can give you tons of useless knowledge. Bible says knowledge puffs up, but love fills up. We fill ourselves with knowledge about politics because we want to be, appear to be smarter than other people. And what we do is we put this in the place of a life-giving relationship with God. Maybe your cup of your sister in today is status. You know, what can I be successful at? Something that everyone else will care about. Something that everyone else will look at me. Maybe it's a job, church. Maybe it's you trying to be an influencer. Maybe it's that possession, that that appearance that you want to have in your life. It's about self. It's about self. It's about self. See, God gives us those blessings in life. But the problem is we begin to seek the gift instead of the giver. We, we, we try to grab hold of the gift instead of recognizing that the giver, all the creation church and all the good things in this world, they should point us to the creator who is forever to be praised, right? They are the gifts, they are not the prize though. They're the gifts, not the prize. The prize is Christ. How many of you have ever wandered in your life I'm talking about you're just wandering, right? Instead of following Christ, that you're following the kingdom of you. You know, you prefer the world. You like living for its glory, prioritizing the world's agenda, clinging to what is temporary. What you're doing, church, is you're slowly emptying yourself. Slowly emptying yourself. Depleting yourself of what is true life. Truly life. So how do we fill it, church? How do we fill this emptiness, this void, this dryness that we have in our lives? First, you've got to listen to the voice of the Spirit, church. This morning, if you're being convicted, if God's convicting you of anything certain, however small it is, whatever it might be, if you've gotten off track and you're trying to fill your life with the world, 
First thing you got to do, the Bible tells us that you got to repent and humble yourself before God. You repent and you humble yourself before God. In James chapter 4, verses 4 through 8, it says this, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is an enemy with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee for you, from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Church, why is it so important for us to humble ourselves before God? Why is it so important for us to recognize that we're messing something up and humble ourselves? Man, that's hard too, isn't it? It's because of this, church. The Bible says he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. See, when when we are a friend to the world, we become an enemy of God. That's what it says in James chapter 4. We draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I had somebody tell me several weeks back, he said to me, he said, you know what, man? You just seem to be so full of love, the love of God. He said this. He said, I wish I had that. And I said, you can you don't have to wish that you have it. Like, oh, Lord, I wish you would give me that. Boop, there you go. No. That's not how it works. You, you want to be filled with God? The Bible says you draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. You have that desire. You draw near to him. I can't tell you there's never been one time in my life where I drew near to God that I didn't feel his presence, that I didn't recognize him and what it was he was doing in my life. See, you don't draw near to empty cisterns because you know what? They won't hold water. They won't hold it. You draw near to God. Second thing is this. You live from the source of the Holy Spirit, church. You live from the source of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reminds us of our calling. Our calling is to be holy, not to be like the rest of the world. It's to be separate. See, we are called to become like him. To be filled with grace, to be filled with love, to be filled with compassion, church, to be filled with forgiveness. That's what we are called to do. We are called to walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says this to us. It says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Church, my flesh is nasty. So is yours. It's angry. My flesh is very angry. You realize your flesh, it's spiteful. Extremely spiteful. It's prideful, right? Never wanting to admit that I'm wrong. It's also distrusting. Never trusting anybody. And church, flesh is empty. But when you live in this world, when you are thirsty, when you are all dried up, but when you live by the Spirit, you are filled with the peace of God. You're filled with that peace. Instead of irritability, you've got a love for people, right? You, you, you walk in good deeds, not tired, not fatigued. You're filled with life. Because, God, listen, church, with God, he gives you rest. 
He fills you with hope when you're confused. He fills you with joy. And the Bible tells us, right, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But here's the thing, it's a choice. It is a complete choice. So who do we love, church? Do we love our Savior? Do we love the world? Matthew chapter 5 tells us this in verse 6. It says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. See, Jesus makes a statement to us here. He makes another statement in John chapter 4. If you look at that with me, verses 13 and 14, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Talking about the water in a well. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Church, every single person in this world is looking for something. We are all looking for something. We're all looking for meaning, aren't we? Every single one of us, we're looking for purpose. We are, we are all looking for life, but here's what happens is we try to fill ourselves up with the things of this world, and you only continue to be dry and empty. So as I ask the praise team to come up here this morning, I want to share one last verse with you, a couple verses actually. It's from Psalm 63. See, in Psalm 63, verses 1 through 5, the, the writer is talking here. And listen to what he says. He says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. And my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. And it wraps it up in verse 5 when it says this, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. This morning, I want to ask you, church, are you feeling empty? How many of you, you've come to church today? I mean, you're dry. You are wiped out. You are empty. You feel like there's nothing good going on in this world. You've got nothing good going on in your life. Well, here's what I want to tell you this morning. Are you drawing near to him? The Bible says when you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. So maybe you're even sitting here today and you're like, I've been dry my whole life. I have always felt empty. I've never felt full of anything. Maybe it's because you've never humbled yourself before your heavenly father and said, Lord, I want you to take it all. That you're saying, I want to give up my worldly ways. That you want to follow the lead of what Paul was saying, that you give it all up and you, are be, you become a different person. That you are ready to humble yourself before him, confess your sins to a righteous God and to say, you know what, Lord, I want to be made right. You ask for forgiveness because listen, church, we all fall short, right? 
and you invite Jesus Christ in your heart to be not only your Savior, of course, we all want to be saved, but also to let him be Lord of your life. To follow the lead of what I just read to you in Psalm 63, to earnestly seek him, to, to long for his presence, to recognize that you want something better than what it is you've been experiencing. If that is for you, I want to encourage you today. You come up front. I mean, you feel them calling you out. You say, I want something different. I want to be fooled. You come up here, we will pray with you. We will walk you through it, church. And for the rest of you believers that are sitting here today, maybe you're dry. Maybe you have wandered off like the Israelites did in Jeremiah. That you're grabbing on to false gods. You're dabbling in the things of this world. You're, you're, you're looking to be filled in all the wrong places, church. So if that's you today, I want to tell you what, you come back to your first love. You come back to where it started with you in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says, I want to remind you one more time, when you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And that's what you need to do to get over that, that hump, that void you got in your life. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. I want to encourage you to respond this morning.